0: In today's episode of The Normless Podcast, we sit down and chat with President of the Northern Sydney Committee of the Men of League Foundation, Trevor Chubb Bailey. Trevor was a professional rugby league footballer representing the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles in 96 matches throughout the 1970s. Unfortunately, Trevor's career was riddled with injury, and ultimately this brought an end to his playing days with a serious leg injury.
1: Almost a decade ago now, he suffered a serious heart attack. Word quickly spread and the men of League rushed to visit Chubb in hospital, the events of which changed the course of his life until now. Aside from his immediate family, he has found great comfort and support received from those around him throughout his playing career and in working with the men of League. Trevor's new mission is giving back to those who have given him so much.
0: Care, dignity, mateship and inclusiveness four values that Trevor consistently role models in his daily life and the fundamental pillars of the charity-based organization, an organization that has helped so many through people like Trevor.
1: You're listening to Normalist, a podcast hosted by Hayden Kelly and Jack Hasler. uh thanks very much for joining us trevor i appreciate you coming on the podcast um first of all we wanted to get uh the story behind the origins of your
2: nickname chub well it goes back right from my my birth date um i'm uh i'm the fifth of five children and um and there was about 10 years between myself and my older sister and um we lived out in, um, in Belrose, out in the sticks, when there was probably only a dozen families in the whole of the area. And uh, when I came home as a as a newborn, my elder sister said, well, you're a chubby little bubby. <laughs> and, it, uh, and it stuck. So here I am 67 years later and still being known as Chubb.
1: <laughs>
2: Fantastic.
1: Um, so you're currently the president of the Northern Beaches Branch. Oh, I say the Northern Sydney branch of the Men of League. Um, is correct. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we'll go into the uh, more specifically the work of your branch later in the chat. Um, yeah. But first of all, just for the listeners, um, could you give us a, a, an overview of, um, you know, what the Men of League organisation is?
2: Yeah. Basically, what we uh, we try and achieve is um, looking after not only former players or. We'll, or um, former NRL players, which there's a bit of an inconceived idea about um, all we look after is former first grade players. That's nothing could be further than the truth. We look after anyone who's been involved within the rugby league family, whether that be a, a child playing, um, a mum who was in the tuck shop on Saturday mornings, so, um, and, uh, and families of former players, no matter what level they play and we look after them um, either financially, emotionally, um, or psychologically sometimes um, to uh, to help them out if they are falling on hard times.
0: So Trevor, I think that's a really good um, segue into our sort of next area we wanted to talk about. We'll definitely, as Jack said, come back at the end and sort of talk a bit more in detail about the men of league um, as an organisation, um, but in terms of... You know, some of the mental health um, statistics in society at the moment, um, there was a recent study that Jack um, sort of pulled out that we were looking at from sports medicine um, and the statistics around, around elite athletes in sport. Um, and it was found that these athletes are significantly more likely to report high to very high psychological stress compared to the general public. Um, with the figure comparison being 17.5% to 9.5%, I guess, from athletes to your general sort of population. Um, And I guess this sort of means they're more likely to display high levels of depression and anxiety and sort of seek out or require professional help um, to support them through those times. So I guess that's a really um, important thing to bring up, you know. And then on the same note, the survey showed that athletes had a better life satisfaction and self-esteem as well as alcohol consumption compared to the general public sorry not not as not as the same as the general public so a lot um a lot more issues in that regard um so comparing the two athletes love their profession but they seem to be under a lot more stress and it shows that
1: organizations are the importance of organizations existing to tackle these issues um yeah. so i guess you know uh, leading to the work that the men of the league do Have you, um, and also like within that, the perceived, you know, the screening um, questionnaires for player wellness, what was it like during the time you were playing? Was it very um, prevalent, the awareness of the mental health of players
2: and like the monitoring of that? No, nowhere near how it is at the moment. Um, We we were um, brought up in an era where, um, you know, only the tough survived. And that's on and off the field, and that's that's not just um, as as a sportsman. I think that that was life in general. Um, mental health was uh, to a degree swept under the, the carpet, and people thought that people with mental issues were were weak. Um, we know a lot more about that now. Um, I, I um, when I first went into uh, into grade, I was only a Seventeen or eighteen year old, and I I used to play with guys like Fred Jones, who everyone and still look up to, and um, he was as tough as a man that you'd ever meet. And his adage was never show weakness, don't show your opposition that you're hurt, and uh, and we had to follow that adage. So I think life in general, not not just in sport, in uh, life in general, that. You know, we were brought up differently um, nowadays. Uh, I think we're we're brought up to to believe that you know, you you it's not not um, not a problem to to show your your female side, if you want a better term, um, and it's not frowned upon, whereas it was then.
0: Yes, yeah, so I guess that's a really good indication of sort of maybe bit of a paradigm shift there and sort of think how oh, things... Are- ma-
2: massive paradigm shift and the other side of it too Hayden is that uh, we were, I believe in general a lot more grounded. We had um, we had a second job or maybe it was a first job um, that when we played footy on a weekend and, and we'd, we'd um, celebrate or commiserate afterwards that we go to work on Monday, we were brought back to earth by our our fellow workers, whereas nowadays they um, they go back to the training paddock.
1: Yeah, and do you think also the shift and the importance of player wellness has changed as well? Because it's gone from amateur to professional, and like the you know that how um, salaries and um, has come in, and I guess uh, because their investments from the club, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, and they need to be i guess um looked after because there's a lot of line. Yeah, I, I think
2: they're more isolated yep. from the general public as we than, than we were um yeah and whether that's a good or a bad thing um i, I don't know but uh i think yes in general we, we were a lot more grounded
0: so i guess another thing that we We sort of want to get your thoughts on um is sort of we were talking about the paradigm shift and i guess with that paradigm shift you get improvements in technology um you know access to player welfare services whether that be you know individuals at the club that provide psychological support um, Mm. you know all those wellness screening tools so i know that now there's a lot more um subjective tools they use to assess player welfare whether that be you yeah. know sleep quality, um, stress yeah. levels, um, you know various aspects of their mental health, um, yes. and I imagine back then in your in your time, you wouldn't have had that that screening or that you know evaluation <laughs> of your your health, whether that be physically or psychologically,
2: in a sense. So no, what, what? Yeah, not at all. The, the the player support nowadays is enormous. We we had a coach and. He um, he controlled most things. We had a manager who, who worked in the background and we had a couple of rubbers or strappers and that was it yeah. um, and maybe a selector and there was there was uh, there was support from committees and, and the like, but uh, nothing like they have today and and I, and I think it's been um, shaved down a little bit from, uh, during this last season, but prior to that it was almost a support person per player.
0: Yeah, right. So like routine almost. with, Yeah, and I guess what what, what we sort of wanted to pose to you, do you think that with an increase in the access to these health professionals or improved technology, more people willing to speak up as you were talking about, do you think the incidence of these um, mental health issues amongst players has increased or do you think that our ability to detect them through time has sort of improved. So do you think that because we've got these people in these organizations that are able to help the players and they're right there to have a chat, um, you know, we see a lot of players now, like we were talking about James Roberts and um, mm-hmm. Latrell Mitchell and all these all these young guys who are now willing to speak up and say, or ask for help or speak up and, you know, say yeah. that they might be having a tough time. So I think.
2: Yeah, I think the, the uh, incidence of mental health hasn't changed much at all. Um, I think you're right in saying that um, the nowadays they can speak up and they're not frowned upon. In our day, even if they didn't speak up, we thought there was something different about some guys and they're a bit strange. Um, but, uh, you know, we know a lot more about that now.
0: Almost remove that stigma I guess
1: that's exactly helped a lot exactly yeah mm-hmm. and and just generally speaking um, without going into specifics on certain people um, what are some like sort of overall areas of focus um, for the men of league in terms of is it the anxiety you know what sort of types of uh, mental health issues in general do you see come up the most
2: yeah there's there's a lot of um, Especially at the moment, there's a fair bit of anxiety yep. with um, with general health, um, and and you know I have a, a number of guys, um, specifically a terrific guy um, called Ken Desi that that um, calls out to most of the uh, the people in need, and um, although he's not a, a medical professional, he um, he can see writing on the wall with uh, with a lot of people, and and he knows where to send to and and uh, and where to be looked after. Uh, so, you know, having said that, you know, uh, you know we can we can help people in that. We can't specifically help with um, you know, as we're not medical professionals. We can still identify and and send people where they're needed. So. Um, yeah the unsung heroes are the the guys that we have to go out to visit people and can take a look and look at what's needed and you know where it's needed
1: right and do you um, ever get any um like players willing to do that as well um apart from
2: yeah we do yeah um there's we we do have ambassadors from um a lot of the NRL clubs um that that uh, if we've got a, a supporter that, um, it, let's say it's a, an old Balmain supporter who um, who followed the club for, for 30 or 40 years, we'll send out a, a, an NRL player to visit and shake hands and give him the cap and have a chat. And, and it's amazing uh, how it lifts some people. Uh, and, and sometimes that's all it needs, you know, just to... to you know get them out of a depression that they're they're in if if they've got a health issue or or whatever Um, and just small things like that Um, and that sort of thing doesn't cost much Um, and it does a a terrific um, amount of good for the people who go out and visit as well
1: yeah exactly right and that and i can imagine it'd be very grounding um and as you just Hmm. said it doesn't it doesn't cost much i mean it just shows that you don't really need you know someone with a a degree or who is qualified in um, you know as a medical professional, but it just really comes down to it at the, end of the day
2: um, mateship and That's exactly you a like chat, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and blokes like like Ken and and Ken and I go back a long long way. Ken was my footy coach when I was seventeen, and um and and it was due to him that you know I was involved. With the man of Lee, and he has seen so much. He's got so much experience in this sort of thing. He almost can identify it straight away. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, and you see mental health issues come through regularly around you know injuries and players dealing with that as well. Is that a, a
2: major concern? <laughs> As far as injuries, football injuries go, we, we don't start looking after NRL players until about five. Well, they're looked after by the NRL for about the first five years after they retire. Then they're cut loose and, um, and that's when we pick them up if, if necessary. Right, right. Now, whether that's not my opinion that's right or wrong, um, whether they need to look after them for longer or for shorter, but we do uh, we do get a helping hand financially from the NRL, um, which we're we're grateful for, um, and and that, uh, that financial help runs our head office pretty much. Um, all the rest of the the funds that are spent on uh, on people that need our help are raised by our volunteers.
1: Yeah, and has there ever been any um, conversation come up about um, sort of, I guess, being part of the cycle sooner, not just five years after retirement? Um, because I think, you know, with players, it's been their livelihood, I guess. It's their way they, um, you know, put food on the table. And if they have a long-term injury, such as an ACL um, it's, mm. It can put them under a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, yes. Has there ever been any conversation around being a part of players that are currently playing and giving them support?
2: Uh, it, not as far as the men' of league really concerned. We just haven't got the funds to um, to supply the people to look after those people. Whereas the, the the football clubs themselves, the NRL clubs, have uh, have a, a greater facility to look after right. those people. and they're closer to them
1: yes right um now i want to take you to your career specifically Mm. now as we're aware um you had some significant injuries including one that eventually ended your career is that correct
2: yeah it contributed to it i um i i smashed my my leg up in three places and uh, and I was in plaster for about six months, so it was a, it was a pretty bad break. And then uh, I sort of came good and the next year I was playing and I broke it in through the same break. So another three months in plaster, so a period of about 24 months. So I was nine months in plaster. Um, and then I had a year off because I was only 24 at that stage. I had a year off and I came back and, and played and had a pretty good year that also coincided with the birth of my my first child my daughter Kylie and uh, that made my decision up uh, for the amount of money I was making out of um, out of football I uh, I wasn't prepared to take that risk again so I, I retired and, and started my own business right
1: and and you know it must have been a lot to deal with having that significant time span of, you know, um, being in plaster, um, how did you deal with that mentally? You know, like it must've been tough, but, um, any strategies or, um, ways you, I guess took a step back and dealt with the fact that this could be a, your life was, you know, at a fork in the road yeah. and you had to go one way or the other.
2: I was, I was never, set um adrift by my mates um my my playing mates were always there i still went to games they um they allowed me and me to be still a part of the group when when i was when when i was not Um, so that that really helped um and i i married the right person um and um and she stood by me through thick and thin yeah we we really did it tough there for a long time and um she went out and instead of having one job she got two part-time jobs and um we had to pay the mortgage um, and in those days there was no insurances and that sort of stuff that paid. so um yeah uh, from support from within and without
0: and i guess um that probably lead that sort of filters into your passion to sort of help out these new, these players um, after their careers with the Men of League um, Foundation. Mm. I've heard stories about you, and this is um, that say you'd be on crutches for seven to eight months of the year, hobbling around. And um, I can imagine without that support of your fellow players, it would be enormously sort of challenging to see them running out and playing the game they love and having to sit there and feel like you're not, not a part of the camaraderie in the team. So, um, yeah, there's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Did it, did it make her, um, I guess appreciate more the importance of having good mates and then family around you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and more importantly, what has this, what what was that what that so you obviously you were playing from 1972 to 1978 if I'm correct yes, and really. in that in that playing career you spent so long um, injured or dealing with these little niggles and things like that what did that what did that teach you about yourself like did you develop any interpersonal sort of skills whether that be emotional um, you know strength and discipline or was there anything in particular that you sort of took from that tough you know, yeah. I career, think you just got to get on.
2: Yeah, you just got to get on with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, I had an, uh, a fair amount of support from the club and, and people within the club, not not just for the players, but but my my playing mates were the guys who who really got me through it. And and most of those guys that I played with then uh, are still good mates now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know good good lifelong friends. I, I can imagine. Yeah
1: now um, The men of League was established in 2002 um, yes. Is that right? And um, yeah. Who who, um, who founded the organization back then
2: the guys who originally founded it were uh, were Max Brown um, Ronnie Coote and um, and Jim Hall um, they they had to sit down and and in in those days those days it, it was more you know we'll go and visit the hospital and, and do that sort of stuff but it just evolved from there that it became a money making situation where we had to support people because we knew that there was a an issue with you know financially there was an issue with uh, with people who were really doing it tough.
1: Right. And, and you've been a member since its uh, inception back then. Correct. Um, yeah. Can you take us to, uh, the events of, uh, 2012 and I guess why afterwards mm. you became more involved in the
2: organization? Yeah. A date that'll go down in infamy. I, uh, it was the, uh, 10th of March, 2012. I was, uh, I was in the backyard with my wife, and a young friend and um, I, uh, I had a massive heart attack and um, unfortunately my wife was right there and when I was um, just about to pass out she, she got on to the emergency services and within two minutes there was a guy And I never knew what these people did that ran around in little Subarus. Well, I know now that they're the uh, first responses. And uh, he was there in a couple of minutes and and got me going again. And uh, within another five minutes, there was an ambulance there and I was on my way to hospital. So, um, yeah, so I had a heart attack that nearly knocked me over. And um, fortunately... I was at home and I was with my wife and she had the wherewithal to get straight on the phone. And um, I was in hospital for a couple of days and word spreads pretty quickly and, and Ken gave me a call and um, and he dropped in and had, had a cup of coffee and had a chat with um, with Fred Jackson. and um, And he was one of the first people to call me in, call in to see me when I was at home and I, I really appreciated it and I, I thought then you know when and I was still working um, I thought then you know when the opportunity arises uh, I'd like to come in and um, and have a crack with the, with the Met of Lead because they're all with the same sort of um, ideas that Ken has that you know we'd like to help our, our mates and um, anyway that that came around a few years later when ken gave me a call and and at the time neil whittaker was the uh, was the president and you might remember neil was the former ceo of the nrl and um a very intellectual person and uh, i like neil a lot he's a terrific fellow. he um he came and paid me a visit and, and told me what uh what sort of job that he had to do and and he had to move on um due to his work was i interested in, in taking the, the president's job on well I, I thought about it and discussed it with my wife and um i jumped into it and that's about five or six years ago
1: yeah and it must have been good to see that over 30 years after you had um your original struggles during your career with injuries and how your mates and your teammates really got you through that to see that, and it was an organisation that was established to focus on that. It must
2: have been good to see. Yeah, you're flatter me a bit there. It was more than 40 years, but uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: leave, leave it at 30. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> but you know, it it it, it comes back to um, we're not uh, we're not club orientated. We're we're rugby league orientated. We're the the members of, of the committee i'm involved with come from not just manly they come from north east south down main newcastle brisbane all over the place um, but they all come together as one
1: mm.
2: no, very good
1: um i guess also we want to look at um, you know how this um you know the incident you went through in uh, march of 2012 how it's changed your outlook on life, um, because it, it, it was very significant, and it must have made you, I guess, step back and realize, well, like what could have been.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Um, yeah, it it certainly changes. Uh, you know, on am as I said before, on fifth of five, I've I've, I've lost two sisters along the way and i still got my two brothers and you know they're they're my two best mates um and uh, my older brother and i were in business together for about 40 years and uh and never had a cross word um so that's that's really important to have people close to you um and i must say since uh, since that time, my wife and I have done more travelling than we've ever done, um, because you never know what's around the corner. Yeah, no, definitely.
0: And is there anyone in particular that might have, you know, we I was saying to Jack the other day where we've had times where we've been really strong early on in school life, and then there was a part where we were apart for a bit, and then we came back together. Do you find like through these experiences, not just your playing career, but also having the the incident that we talked about in? 2012 is there anyone that's come particularly close to you since that incident that you've really sort of um i guess bonded really well with or someone that helped you through that time apart from your immediate family Yes, yeah, apart, and your apart life, f- you know? yeah
2: apart from my immediate family I, I think in general my my good mates and and my my really good footy mates are those like terry Randall and russell garton russell and i still travel um a lot together um and we we speak you know weekly uh, if not more um but um yeah i I think uh just dwelling back on you know conversations with you know and that's I'm talking 40 years ago with you know things that my father used to say and uh some that I couldn't repeat but you know he he used to, say things like you know wisdom comes from a lifetime of listening so sometimes you just got to shut up and listen and, and learn yeah most definitely yeah things like that um and and former workmates that, that i used to really look up to and and still kept in contact with um yeah the the, the people who um that i i call as people with smarts that I uh, I listen to and and yeah things like that get you through. Mm-hmm.
1: And on that, um how ha- have you seen the um the role of the Men of the League change um since two thousand two till now? Yeah well
2: the, the the massive change in two areas is that um the whole idea of of when uh when the guys started this whole thing, was that um, we want as many members as we can, as we can and um, and everyone will be involved. Well, you know, sometimes that's not practical, and the impractical side of it was that everyone became a member for free. So you're a life member, and it never cost you a cent. Well, that was costing the foundation a lot of money to hold that many members, and send out magazines to that many people it was just costing money so they they made some hard decisions a couple of years ago where um and they they knew what the repercussions would be they uh, they decided to make the membership fee annual so that that would be a large part of our revenue raising now we lost around about more than two-thirds of our membership base um now for for various reasons either couldn't afford it or they thought well buggy you i've i've become a member for life and that's what i intend to be um other people who did join saw the practicality of it all that um we were here not just to be nice guys and um you become a member we had to raise money to help people who really needed it so that was that was a major um change in the the whole aspect of of men of league yeah Um, and might i say that that, you know for the 20 or 25 bucks a year that you um is your membership fee you get a terrific magazine every quarter and that's almost worth it in, in itself. So, yeah, we found that we've had to move with the times. We have to spend money on on our uh, on our people that need it. And to do that, we've got to raise money. Um, you now, if, if people think that's that's tough, you know, we, we just have to do it to, to help the people that really need it. I mean, what,
1: 25 bucks is live coffees these days it's not a lot of money you know as I say
2: and and the magazines are top class um, and they give you all sorts of information about you know what's happening in the NRL what's happened in the past and it's lifetime stories and yeah it's really really good magazine
1: and those magazines come out quarterly monthly yeah yep yeah, quarterly. Quarterly. right okay and as you said it's just um yes includes like stories I guess of past players Um, What what else is in there
2: um well it gives you each um and nationally there's there's 40 divisions like the northern sydney and uh everyone has the opportunity every group has the opportunity of of um sending in articles and uh and let letting people know what's coming up in their own individual area and people like ken writes terrifically writes reports on who he's been visiting and, and how things are going. And, and, uh, unfortunately there's a, a page there on, um, on veils people we've lost over the time. And then there's, there's current stories of NRL past stories of, um, uh, of the ARL. It's, it's fascinating.
1: No, it's a great idea. Definitely because it also, mm. it's, I think it's really good to, for the younger generation as well. Um, to to, to see you know the old stories that they um, they may not yeah. necessarily um, be exposed to through traditional forms of um, of media.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up about, about the younger group, um, and that that's something that it's a bit like the golf club I'm a member of that, that the, the whole membership base is getting older and older, and the same thing applies with um, with men at leagues most of the guys, not all, uh, the guys in, in um, our committee are retirement age um, and we just need to get new blood. We, we need to, um, uh, and, and it's not a hard task. Many hands make light work. You know, we've, we've got a dozen guys in our group and, you know, it, it might only take a couple of hours a week, uh, which is nothing in the overall scheme of things but we need to um, inject some youth into it. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and going to that now, um, to the current president of the Northern Sydney branch, what are some of the main responsibilities that, uh, that you have right now?
2: Uh, well, the, the biggest responsibility that we've got is uh, future planning because our whole revenue base has been wiped out this year. Um, as far as committees go, um, head office have been involved with um, with a number of organisations to try and uh, raise money nationally. Um, so we normally have um, at least about a half a dozen functions every year uh, to raise money. Um, and they've all just been wiped out, we, we just can't do it. So, so all we're about now is, is future planning. Um, we have a uh, a Zoom session once a fortnight with uh, with our CEO Stephen Lowndes. So as as many of the presidents nationally jump on Zoom, and uh, we just crunch ideas on what we need to do to uh, to get ourselves back, keep the enthusiasm up with uh, with our committee and uh, and all members.
0: So I guess what you mentioned there is a struggle that. A lot of us have faced this year it's been a very different year you know as a lot of people say unprecedented times but um you talked about those 14 events normally per year that you'll hold um yeah not not there about half a dozen or half a dozen yeah yeah and for like in terms of um the rev like not the revenue but i guess the funds that you you generate through charity events as well and fundraising i guess in local communities so not just the main sort of functions that the men of league host but maybe those smaller um, functions that local communities or local rugby league teams might host you know barbecues we'll talk more about yeah the the like the fundraising um opportunities that these communities can get take a part in or get involved with but has, has that been blunted as well?
2: Definitely blunted, yeah. We um, we normally have two large fundraising events, one being a, a golf day, um, and we have a uh, full field, which is over 140 players, but for lunch we normally have around about 180, and um, that's where our, our money is made through uh, auctions and raffles and, and that like and you know we'll we'll make um we'll make twenty thousand bucks on a day like that and then we'll have a sportsman's lunch. We're we're very fortunate uh, that we have had probably the last five years um uh our a really good friend Joe Rinaldi from Brookvale NASDAQ um has been a, a supporter of ours and um, and we've spoken to him this year and and we've said um, Joe, I know you guys are doing it tough, and and so are we. Um, I, I don't want to lose you as a as a friend and a sponsor, and and we know that you know there can be no business done between us this year because it's just a, pretty much a waste of time. But um, he put his hand up and said, "Don't worry, guys, I'm I'm still with you. When all things are back, you know we're going to run as it was." So we really appreciate that appreciate that sort of thing, and. Um, yeah, there's some good people out there. Yeah,
1: and I think there's, it's 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 important that um, organisations or businesses that um, haven't been as hard hit um, that still have the resources really look out for you know organisations like the Men of the League because yeah, it, it's although it's not a it's the main issue right now is getting through the current situation around the world. It's going to come a point where things will hopefully get back to normal and it, it will need, you know, the mental league will need to exist. Um,
2: exactly. Know. And along with a lot of foundations too, you know, there's yeah. a lot of terrible foundations that do some fantastic work.
0: I guess the we've got the economical um, issues as well, but I think the, the really important thing that Jack sort of hinted at was there is, you know, our health is all, our mental health in particular is also, really important and like the things that you guys do at the men of league to you know not only support the rugby league community but any anyone um in this sort of bubble i guess um or this circle going through tough times um and i guess that sort of leads into what i guess pre-covid at the moment there's obviously some challenges around the various um things that you're running in the communities, whether that be charities or fundraisers or events. Mm. But but taking a step back and looking before COVID-19, what sort of um, things were you involving yourself in and what sort of um, opportunities were there for people to get involved with the Men of League and um, donate, I guess?
2: The best thing people can do to be part of the, the fundraising of, uh, through the men of league is to become a member um, and if you haven't got the time to do it you don't have to because if you become a member you're, a, you're an enormous part of it um, the uh, the other thing is that just support our functions um, we, as I say we have two major ones uh, the, our sportsman's lunch and our, uh, and our golf day then uh, as a as a group, we also, um, our territory runs from the old North Sydney and the old Manly-Oringa areas. So we have pretty close contact with um, with the North Juniors and the Manly Juniors. And um, we, uh, we're we involved with them uh, and the Barreara Football Club, they, they support us as well. Um, and they have days that, that we can fundraise through them. So they're great supporters. Um, and and just generally put ourselves out there, um, and more times than not, you know the people are very generous. Right? And you know we'll we'll raise. Uh, I've got my secretary's um, my uh, my treasurer's uh, balance sheet in front of me, but you know we'll we'll raise you know 30, 40, sometimes fifty thousand dollars a year, and uh, if you multiply that. 40 times around the country it's pretty significant definitely yeah definitely. and and sometimes the uh the money we we have to shell out to um to our people who are doing it tough is pretty significant as well it's not just a um, a turn up for a cup of coffee and uh and a chat you know some people who are in wheelchairs that we supply wheelchairs for sometimes we supply cars with with lifts and and that sort of stuff so you know, it's, it's a great variety of um, things that we spend the money on.
0: So, uh, Trevor, I might just touch on sort of corporate sponsorship as well. We did a bit of look looking through um, the Men of we- League website and sort of what was sort offered. But essentially what I'm aware of is that you, in order to bring people on, they have to align with your four key values of care, Dignity, mateship, and inclusiveness. So, sort of, can you give us maybe a bit of background on those those core values, um, and maybe some partners you've worked with, and how they sort of relate to the Men of League as an organisation?
2: Yeah, m- me uh, dealing more directly with people like like uh, Joe on a personal basis at uh, Brookvale Master, but we're also involved with um, with clubs locally. Um, like the Manly Club and, and the Coral Road Beach Club and, and the Asquith Football Club, they are all supporters of ours by, by issuing grants, and those grants could be anything from five to ten to $15,000 per year, um, and I don't expect that to be as big this year because the clubs have been doing it tough as well, but, um, whilst they're there, uh, they're there to support us, we'll support them. And that, and that's pretty much the base of it, scratching each other's back. And
1: let's we'll look at, um, the Warwood office. Um, now as I'm aware, that's, it's pretty decked out with, um, here yes. and the stuff to do, uh, take us through that.
2: Oh, that's a, um, that was an idea that was come up between. Uh, a couple of us it were the, the owner of the organisation, and I work as a consultant. I, I retired a few years ago and, and I was coerced back, and um, and I, I really enjoy what I do, um, which is consulting in the joinery business, kitchens and the like. And um, we had a, a change of um, leadership within the organisation and we thought, you know, you've got to look after your staff um, as best you can. So, um, so we built a, a breakout room so that the boys can come up and have lunch. Or on a Friday afternoon, we can go up and have a game of darts and again, a game of snooker tool and um, and just connect. Um, and and occasionally we have a few my old footy mates and Freddie um, Fidler's close, so he come up occasionally and. We'll have a game of snooker
1: and yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of fun. I bet and lots of uh, good stories and banter and laughs. I'm sure
2: <laughs> it is I do. The,
0: the work get out room, if is that that's the name of it, isn't it? Yeah, the work, the work get, <laughs> yeah.
1: work, get breakout. out
0: breakout room. Breakout room. <laughs> Love it. Um,
1: now, what are some you mentioned? And apart from I guess planning ahead, um, but what are any events coming up or fundraising opportunities or
2: yeah the events that that i had because um, i i do all the, the background work with the golf day which was originally going to be may this year um but what we will do is we're having our uh our what we call it our christmas kickoff club we um it's one of those uh one of those items that we have every year that's always the first year in uh, – first Friday in, in January uh, – sorry, December, before Christmas, that isn't primarily for uh, for making enormous amount of money. Uh, we just like to cover costs and make it a little bit. Is to just get everyone together and promote us as a, as a group. And uh, we normally get a couple of hundred people there down at North Narrabeen Surf Club. Fortunately, we can uh, we can social distance down there because we've got plenty of room to spread out. So, at this stage, unless something really bad happens, that's going to happen on the first Friday of December, about four o'clock down at um, the North Narrabeen Surf Club.
1: Oh, brilliant. That, that sounds um, that sounds fantastic. And.
2: Um... You know, It'd be nice to see you down there, too. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. I think we should. <laughs> if you're yeah, inviting or... Providing Definitely. COVID. Yeah, that's burden, an then invitation. Then beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I'm very keen, very keen for the return of summer. At least that's something yeah. that I look forward to. Absolutely. It's, yeah, with everything that's yes. going on.
0: <laughs> I guess that's something. What do you think about the beaches this summer? It's going to be... If we're all social distancing, I don't know how things are going to work. It's just sort of same with all the, you know, different restrictions in at the moment. Hopefully... Fingers crossed everything gets back to normal as soon as possible so you can keep doing the great work you're doing. Yeah,
2: I think um, as is normally the case, we're so far we've been pretty um, insular down on the peninsula. It's as if we're a different world down here. Um, We've just got to be careful. Yeah, And we, we were lucky in as far as... Fred, one of our committee members and his wife, were on the Ruby Princess and contracted um, COVID and were in hospital for quite a while, but they both recovered. So um, so touch wood, nothing more like that happens. And we're thankful that that Fred and Julie uh, survived the whole incident. Mm.
1: And you mentioned before as well um, about face to face, um, you know, meetups being a major service that you provide. Um, have you managed to, I guess, get around, um, kind implications such as maybe doing it through video calls or
2: yeah, that's, that's the only way that we're operating at the moment, Mm. um, is through either phone call. Uh, and a lot of the people that need it wouldn't know what a video call is, um, so uh technology hasn't reached (laughs) every part of our membership uh but it's a phone call and and sometimes that's all it needs and and it's not just one phone call it's it's backups Uh, and uh ken realizes the position in some people um so he uh he's pretty switched on and and does the backups where he yeah and then and then all of that is documented and sent on through through head office mm-hmm. um and if there is an emergency like people really struggling um we have the ability to um to go out and buy a hamper of food or whatever under a certain amount of money just so people can survive and and that sounds pretty drastic but there are people out here that
1: yeah and is that ever done in those calls ever done in like a group Situation, or is it just more so like small? Numbers only on the one? meeting,
2: only the meeting with head office and the presidents are done in the, in the group, and right. now we can go back as a as a committee and we can meet down at the Van Alst Club, um, so that we can socially distance and and have a meeting there. But prior to that, it was done by Zoom. Right,
1: and and um, I guess as as we mentioned before about. People, um, how they can get involved in supporting the organisation apart from, as you said, the twenty five dollars membership yeah. fee. Um, yeah. There's other ways, including yeah, buying merchandise on the website. Is that right?
2: Yeah, there's merchandise, and there's been a, a new initiative brought out in the last couple of weeks. It's a um, it's a, a raffle that you can you can buy online, and it's a weekly draw of two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And you can buy more tickets if you like, but it, you, you can buy for as, as little as two dollars a week, and you can go into the draw for two thousand dollar winning prize. So that's on the website as well. Um, you can jump on and do that. Hey Trevor, um,
0: maybe if you yep. if you give the um, the link that maybe basically people can access to you know get go in the draw or go in that raffle. Um, yeah if
2: you just go onto the um the men of league website and yep. just follow the links off that, that okay that will okay. put
0: you straight yeah. to it so is yeah. that www.menofleague.com
2: menofleaguefoundation.com w- men yeah. okay.
0: okay beautiful yeah. um and we'll,
1: we'll chuck um so those links in the um show, ha- notes. show notes as well um yeah. and on social media as well we'll put those things as well because um to direct people You're to right. that um, now, what sort of um, more personally for you? What lies ahead for you? Um, are you looking uh, like you are there for the immediate future, or what's what's down there? What's in the pipeline? Well,
2: I'll be uh, I'll be doing this job for the for the immediate future. Yep. Um, I'm uh, I'm still working um, with the view of pulling back out of that a little bit and doing a lot more caravanning with my mate Russell.
0: Yep. Has work picked up though, Trevor, with your, I know you do your kitchen joinery. I imagine there's, yeah. uh, I've spoken to a lot of people during this time and they've been at home looking for things to do. So I imagine there would have been mm. a bit of an increase in your your work there. Is that the case? There
2: there has been an enormous increase. Um, when When we thought that there was going to be a, um a massive shutdown of the whole economy back in uh in march i thought well maybe this might be an opportunity to uh to ease back out of work and uh the opposites happened mm. um you're right people of um, people are at home they're not not traveling um a lady next door to me here came in with a new puppy because that was one of her airfares. <laughs> <So, laughs> so uh they're looking at ways of spending money and yeah and um sure we're we're taking advantage of uh whatever we can yeah uh, so who, know, who knows what the future holds?
1: yeah and, and just on that as well about not being able to travel overseas um you mentioned um you know you and your mate russell is that right
2: yeah Yeah.
1: going um you know caravanning um what's some of the uh your favorite spots you've been within within the state like you, you got the ones you go to
2: regularly or? Yeah, we we go, um, well, we go up to Nelson Bay. We only just come back from there. And and, um, come October, we go down to Shell Harbour where um, we've got um, good friends down there. Terry Randall's brother, Brett, lives down there. So we spend some time down there. We go a bit further down south to Merry Beach, down past Dulladullar. And come Christmas, we're going up to up to um north coast uh, we've got a number of places we go to up there Yamba and around those areas so just in within this state, but yeah we've we've been all over the place that's um, in a, as well the, as as well as europe <laughs> which we can't do it now. yeah
1: i know isn't it i think when it, when it all opens back up there's going to be a massive influx of
2: overseas travelers but uh <laughs> yeah i think it's going to take a while yeah i think I'm, it will sort of, yeah uh, yeah that's that, why i'm putting extra bits in my
1: computer uh, and yeah. my um uh, in my caravan and is that a is that a big jaco or what sort of what's your
2: setup there no, no no we um the the caravan i've got is a is a 21 foot um uh, river which is manufactured in in, uh, in victoria um but it's got everything with a shower toilet uh, washing machine. Not that I use that very often, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a very, very comfortable
1: place. I know, it sounds like it, yeah, and it's, it's certainly, yeah. a, um, there's no opportunity then right now to really, you know, get into that um, that sort of travelling yeah. because there's oh, no really right. other way to do it. Like,
2: that's guess, right. And the other reason I'm, I'm sticking around with, with doing as much work as I can, that there are people like myself who are probably busier than we've been for a long time, but there's also people like like my daughter who is in the arts mm-hmm. that um is struggling yeah um, is uh you know she's she's an opera singer so there's no opera um and uh she's also a uh, a teacher and with music you um she can't teach chorus choirs the like because of the group situation so you know it's an enormous part of uh, our society. Yeah. Uh, as it should be. Yeah. As it should be. Um, I've always had an interest in uh, in the arts, and and I maybe that's where my daughter got her interest from. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, if if we lose that, it'll be like losing rugby league. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right.
0: Well, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to say a massive thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, now, the reason we got you on in the first place is because we think you display the traits of, of being normless. You know, you've had a a career which was sort of impacted by injury, but you know, you came through that and you've you've given up your time and energy to give back to other players who, you know, have fallen on tough times or haven't been shown that same support after. Like in the long term after their career, um, and we think that you know that's really admirable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'd love our listeners to um, you know get yeah. involved yeah. with Men of League as best as possible. Go show support
1: because it's it's five it's five coffees, guys. You know it's not it's not a lot, um, right. and it's a great cause. And um, you guys are doing great work. And yeah, it's yeah, it'd be a shame to see um, something like that disappear because you know mateship is at the essence or, of a lot of uh, relationships between, you know, men. Um, and you guys do it so well. So this was say yeah, uh, congrats on the work you've done and, you know, uh, all the best as you go into the future. Um, yeah.
2: Thanks, Jack. Appreciate
1: that. No worries. Um, so, yeah, we'll let, you, we'll let you go. But, yeah, thanks very much for on, Trevor. Appreciate it. Thanks, Trevor.
2: Legend, mate. Anytime. Thank so you. Thanks, Hayden. Bye now.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Normless Podcast. If you or anyone you know has an interesting story that you think displays the traits of being normless, please contact us through normlesspodcast at gmail.com.
1: In order to stay up to date with the latest news about the podcast, and to never miss when a new episode is being released, please follow us at normless Podcast across all social
0: media platforms. To find out more about our guests today and how to contact them, please look in the episode description.